You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Useless Information Podcast. I am Steve Silverman. Useless Information. Hi everyone, I hope you're doing well. Today I have for you a very special podcast. It was recorded a few months back by one of my physics students, a kid named Eddie Tice, for his senior English class project. His teacher, Ms. Montgomery, selected this as one of the best, and with Eddie's permission, I present it for you today. Now, the topic that Eddie chose was gaming, and that's something I know very little about, but his enthusiasm for the subject is clear from the very second that the recording starts. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, second period English class. My name is Eddie Tice. I will be your host for this podcast, and today I am accompanied with Mr. Trevor Farnsworth. How you doing, Trevor? Doing good. That's great. So, Trevor, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. I mean, uh, just to start off, I'm currently working uh, as a senior QA tester at Vicarious Visions, uh, which is a game studio. I've always wanted to make games, I think, ever since I was a kid, so I pursued that through college, studied game design with a minor in programming, and uh, here I am now, working my way up. Sweet. So, um... You said that you always wanted to make games as you were, like, you were a little kid? Yeah, uh, I would say probably since, I think, middle school. Uh, just, when I, I think the first game that sort of got me into it was Halo 3. The Forge mode in that, I would make a lot of different maps, and I sort of really enjoyed making, like, other content for people to play. And from there, I just jumped into other things, like... RPG Maker, different programs that let you sort of get the feel for making games without having to do, like, all the complicated programming. So you were making games, or you were making maps and, like, different mod tools and stuff when you were in middle school? Yeah, it wasn't anything too complicated. It was, like, things provided by the game. So, like, Halo Uh, has a mode that lets you make maps inside of the game. Uh, RPG Maker is a software, like, that makes it really easy to, like, design or make RPG games. So you just like figure that out on your own, with like sort no. Of. It's a lot of help from the internet, but. Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to do right now. Um, I started making a little game. Uh, from there's this guy on YouTube named Brackies, and he basically takes you th- takes you through it, the yeah, whole way I'm there. Aware of his channel, he's pretty good. Yeah. So um, 
what exactly do QA testers do? Because before, I don't know, like a while ago, so I was thinking like game testers. So I'm thinking like all they do is play video games all day and it's just that easy, right? And I'm, I'm thinking not. Yeah, if only it was just that easy, but there's there's actually a lot more to it. Um, I mean, a part of the job is just playing the game, like playing through it, looking for any issues or bugs. But uh, there's a lot of more like specifics, nitty-gritty nitty that you kind of have to do for QA testing. Uh, the biggest thing is we run like dedicated passes uh, on the game for like specific areas. So like, uh, let's see, one of my first contracts, I worked a lot on Destiny because... Uh, VV at the time was working on DLCs for Destiny. Mm-hmm. So I would go to like a specific area of one specific activity of Destiny and be like, how many ways can I get out of this map? Can I use this ability? Switching a lot between that. Outside of that, uh, QA also, beyond just testing the game, uh, they help out with a lot of like planning for uh, when things need to be in, like what deadlines do we need to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost doing some production stuff. Uh, where you're trying to help plan out what we're doing for the uh, project. Cool. So, do you like when you find a bug in a game? You have to like you have to like re- report it, right? Obviously. Oh, yeah. And do you Depending. actually know how to like fix it, like as in the code itself? Uh, that's generally done by like uh, programmers, engineers, designers, whoever needs to fix the bug. But we report it, and generally you try to give repro steps, like how to re- reproduce the bug, so that whoever is getting this bug to fix, they have to test it out themselves, make sure they understand what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some QA uh, testers will give information on like how they think it could be fixed, but we generally aren't going into the code and fixing things ourselves okay so um i was reading a lot online about um game designing in general and one of the most common uh cons of this of game designing i saw are the long hours can you tell me like what's your uh schedule like i guess so it it really depends like some of the stuff you hear isn't isn't true, but unfortunately, a lot of it is. Uh, throughout a project's like life cycle, most of it you won't be doing overtime. You'll just be doing a general forty-hour work week. Uh, but if there's a deadline that we have to hit, or if we're getting close to the release of a project, you'll probably be doing a lot of what's called crunch crunch time, yeah. which is where you're in for as long as you need to be until the product is ready to release. Yeah, that's kind of. What I assumed um, was, like, because I emailed you and it took a while to get back, which, you know, I get it because Christmas crunch time. Yeah, unfortunately we had a a milestone for the project we're currently working on right before Christmas. Yeah. So I was fairly busy. (laughs) (laughs) I I could imagine. Um, So what is the main game or games that you're working on right now? If you can tell me. I mean, if it's like a new game or something. Uh, unfortunately, the, the projects I'm currently working on, I can't tell you about. Okay. But I can tell you what I previously worked on. Okay. Uh, which was, it was all Destiny 2 DLC. So Vicarious Visions made uh, the Warmind DLC along with the Black Armory and 
uh, Penumbra DLCs. Mm-hmm. And I worked on all of those uh, in various roles of QA, starting out just as general, and then I moved into a an area lead position. Yeah. So it's a lot of confidential stuff. And yeah, I know. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know you have. We worked on it, or we're working on are not announced yet. Yeah, so. Uh, I know there are a lot of problems like within uh, developers and like just game designing companies about leaking. So um, I might talk about Call of Duty a lot because that's kind of my main game right now. Gotcha. But gotcha. Black Ops 4, there was a QA tester that uh, quit because he was treated so poorly. And then he decided to leak everything like pretty much everything about the zombies mode he leaked like the next map he leaked the easter eggs for the next next map he leaked pretty much every existing easter egg that we haven't figured out so how i guess like how well treated and respected are you because i mean this guy made it seem like it was terrible like it was the worst job in the world so I mean I do think like it, it differs from studio to studio, but at VV they are very good this way. Like uh, we're treated as pretty much equals with the developers, because um, the, the like probably the issue that he was having is in a lot of places QA is sort of treated as less than everyone else because all they're doing is playing the game, mm-hmm. which is like the outside view. But uh, VV is pretty good to us. Uh, we get reasonable hours, we get a lot of, well, we don't get a lot, but we get some say in, like, what's going on with the game outside of what a normal QA, QA person would get to say. So we get to do a lot of, like, feedback sessions where we play through the game and we tell the devs how it feels, like, what we would change. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had, like, an idea or, like, a change for a game that, like, say, didn't go through or you really are really passionate about but you know didn't get approved i guess yeah i mean uh since i've been working qa on vv it hasn't necessarily been anything there but in terms of like if if it's okay if i can talk about like my college experience with working on games there mm-hmm. so uh early on uh in college i think it was my sophomore year because I, I majored in game design so we did a lot of projects each year. There's one project that we were working on. Uh, it was just a standard first-person shooter, just kind of getting practice in. But we wanted to have a bunch of different levels. And I had this great idea for this one level with this big boss, but my team was only like five people. So, uh, yeah, the, the important yeah. thing there is with that, plus a bunch of other projects to work on over the course of a couple months for a semester, we didn't have enough time, so I overscoped and ended up not getting to make this cool big boss fight level uh, for a game. And we ended up just having to ship with a couple levels. Yeah, I could see how, like, having a huge vision for a game and being, you know, just not having enough time and everything, I could see how that could be a really big problem. uh, Scope is definitely one thing that, uh, even in the professional level, people constantly are working on trying to get better at, like, figuring out how much you need to put in the game or how much you can afford to work on to a single game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, at what point 
do you have to put the game's needs over the community's wants? So, basically, I'm talking about Modern Warfare. Modern gotcha. Warfare 2019. You know, the community wants the mini-map reverted, and and uh, Infinity Ward says, no, it's not our vision. And I guess the uh, community doesn't really just understand why they're doing that. So, I don't know, can you... I, I just want to hear your uh, point of view on that, I guess. Uh, to that specifically, that specific example I'm not too familiar with. However, yeah. I mean, in general, with looking at, like, the game plan versus what the community is asking for, some of it comes down to just technical ability. That one specifically doesn't, but, like, if there's something that... uh a game you just can't do, like you can't get the programming to work for it, sometimes there's that situation, but in terms of like weighing your design, like your vision over the communities, I personally feel like it depends on how it impacts the game. Mm -hmm. Like if, if it impacts the game in a way that makes it different from what you would expect, like if, I guess taking Call of Duty on like a a very big tangent what if, if like the community wanted there to be just a bunch of swords in the game you just change all the guns to swords and the community was asking for that but that heavily differs from what your vision of this first person shooter would be that's where you draw the line but mm -hmm. I, I guess minor things it really depends uh, a lot of times it's it's just based on what the uh, creative director or the, the leads of the project really value in the in the game mm -hmm. so like say like this little change of the mini map like i mean i say little but how big really is it like how much work does it take to like i don't know say like a bug fix or something or like something so, what was the change again i know i know you said it was for the mini map but what was the like proposed change oh for the the mini map it used to shoot it used to show um red dots on the minimap when people were firing uh, mm -hmm. people on the other team were firing now it doesn't okay so that actually it's not too major but that does touch on a lot of areas so like something that you would think is like an easy just code change that would probably need uh ui artists to make changes to the ui to show that um it would need qa testing to make sure it's working correctly uh it would definitely need programmers obviously to change it so that you're always seeing the dots show up so a lot of things that seem small tend to be a little bit bigger than you'd expect just because it has to go through so many different uh people or different areas of game design just to get it working mm -hmm. if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if you don't meet the community's wants, do, do you feel like you failed? At, as in like... You know, not as in the community wants a bunch of swords instead of guns, but yeah, yeah, like, but like that, yeah, that specific thing. Yeah, uh, it really depends. Like sometimes it, it feels like a failure if you're not living up to what the community expects, and then other times it's sort of a situation where maybe that the community just doesn't understand what you're going for, which it is an issue. It means that you need to communicate better, but in terms of the game itself. It might not be viewed as a failure. It might just be viewed as, like, we didn't communicate what we were trying to go for, like, the vision that we had. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had... Have you ever worked on, like, a game? I know you said, like, uh, there was this one game that you worked on in college that you had this idea for that didn't work. But have you ever worked on a game that overall just got negative reviews? Or, like, negative... Uh, um criticism i guess I, I wouldn't say overall negative but uh the destiny dlc that we worked on uh it was definitely hit or miss so it was a lot of mixed mixed reviews specifically i think uh which one was it our black armory dlc which was i believe the second in the season pass um was hit with uh definitely a lot of mixed reviews some people really loved it some people really hated it so do but, you do you feel like uh, you could have maybe made it better or? I uh, I think uh, overall as, as like as a team I think there were a lot of improvements we could make. Uh, one of the big issues we ran into on that project was just time. We didn't have yeah. enough time to do everything we wanted, which was again just scoping, like trying to figure out how much we can fit into the DLC in the short amount of time we had. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you learn from that experience, I guess? Uh, definitely. I mean, we we did one more Destiny DLC after that, and uh, we, for one thing, we kept our scope smaller on that DLC so we could hit everything we wanted, but we also, like, as a studio, they gave us more time <laughs> to work on this one, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. Uh, we also, uh, in QA specifically, we did a lot of different planning so in the the first dlc when we didn't have enough time part of it was we didn't have 
uh, a lot of testing time to, to look at the game and catch bugs. So moving on to our final DLC, we planned, planned things out a lot more, and we started testing things a lot earlier than we normally did. Mm-hmm. All right. So what advice can you give to someone who is looking to get into the game designing field? Uh, I would say first, if, if you haven't chosen, choose a, a discipline, like a spe- specialized area to go into. Since game design is broken into a ton of different things, even within like the design field, there's like, do I want to design the character? Do I want to design AI? But then there's the big major three are design, art, and programming. And once you choose that, I'd say just start working on things. Like, whether it's in your free time, just make some games, look at some tutorials. Any practice you get definitely helps going forward. Uh, and it gives you a lot of experience for once you get into the actual like game design uh, field or work. So it's a lot of doing things on your own rather than learning in a classroom. Yeah, uh, especially, well, it, it, at least in my uh, scenario in college, the game design major that I took was uh, a little bit in the classroom, a lot out on your own. And I think that definitely helps me. I, I learned a lot from just going to YouTube or looking things up on Google and just figuring out or experimenting. Gotta love Google. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real nice uh, or a real real good way to figure out like how to do something or how to program something specifically. I always go there if I if I run into an issue with my code. Mm Mhm. So, uh, I think that's it. Awesome. So, I really do appreciate this. I mean, I was looking forward to this all week, <laughs> I gotta be honest. I mean... I, I, I'm hopefully, it, uh, hopefully it lived up to, to expectations. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Cool. You did great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank you again, and uh, I guess uh, that's the podcast. Unprofessional awesome. goodbye, but you know what? <laughs> I'm getting this great! Uh, (laughs) all right um well if you have anything else uh you need from me or like if if you want to ask me any questions just feel free to text me like you have my number so all right uh i really enjoyed it thank you thank you all right cool bye see ya i hope you enjoyed eddie's podcast i personally thought he did an excellent job and yes he did get that grade for your reference, will be graduating high school in a matter of days. That's on June 26th. And I want to wish him and all those who are doing the same the very best of luck. Now, they're certainly heading off into the real world, whether it be work or college, in very unusual and very uncertain times. As for my podcast, well, I'm just finishing up the school year right now, and I hope to get the next episode completed within the next couple of weeks. As always, thanks for listening, and take care, everyone. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States story. It's unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.
Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast.